It's lonely at the top here in the 6th and Peabody studios. No Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow with you on this Thursday live downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. This is Outkick Hot Mike. We have a fantastic show planned for you today. Guests include Trey Wallace from Outkick.com to talk some college football with us. Armando Salguero, NFL insider, senior NFL writer for Outkick.com will join us as well. And Davey Hudson's going to get weird. He's weird every day. He's especially weird on Thursdays. Well, at least he will be on this Thursday. Again, no Jonathan Hutton today, but no problem, at least for today and tomorrow, because Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas on with us today as a special guest co-host back after performing three hours of the show last week, Kelly, that is a long show. That's a lot of time. Thank you so much for actually being willing to come back and join me again today. Absolutely, Chad. I had an absolute ball. Great time. Great show. The three hours just flew by. That's the goal every day, right? We want people that are watching, that are listening. We want it to go by as fast as possible at the end of the day, end of the work day for a lot of people. Um, Kelly's been hosting shows already today. She's been working. She's ready to go. She's got a studio set up in her home, looking great. Everything sounds fantastic. So we're going to get right into it. And we're going to start with someone who can't get into anything right now because he got into too much on the court, and now he's suspended indefinitely. Of course, I'm talking about Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. Suspended indefinitely for his... I'm trying to think of the right way to describe what happened uh, with Yusuf Nurkic, but it was kind of a backhanded, not backhanded, but swatting backwards, open-handed, harder than a slap, maybe less than a pie face, maybe a combination of both. Either way, he knew exactly what he was doing, even though he claims I was just trying to sell a foul and I was flailing around and, and didn't mean to hit him. We all know better, Kelly. We know that professional athletes are pretty coordinated. Their eye-hand coordination is good. And when they swat back like that, they know exactly where the player is. He knew exactly what he was doing. And because of that and a lack of remorse now, Draymond Green is suspended indefinitely. Do you like this move by the NBA? What would you like to see happen with Draymond Green ultimately? Suspended indefinitely I think is is interesting. Uh, I think it's very vague. I actually hate when... Uh, whether it's universities or professional teams do that, it just leaves it open to a lot of misunderstanding, right? But what we do know is, like you said, Draymond Green absolutely did this on purpose. And should he be reprimanded for it? Of course he should. Now, does the suspended indefinitely mean that he is going to go through some sort of protocol, right? Is Adam Silver going to sit back and watch and say, okay, we know this is going to be some sort of uh, NBA uh, protocol that says, here's how many days he's going to be suspended, games, months, seasons, whatever it looks like. I don't know. I, I just don't like how vague it is. Yeah, and it's um, it says he's going to have to fulfill some specific parameters that the league's going to set out for him to come back. I, I said this yesterday, Kelly. It, it, it's... He's the opposite of uh, Morgan Freeman's character in Shawshank Redemption, Red, who every time he went up for parole, he said, I'm a changed man. I've seen the air my way. I'd love to go back and talk to that 18-year-old dumb kid and prevent him from committing that awful crime, and I'm going to be something that's good for society if I'm let out. And every time, they kept stamping denied, denied, denied. And finally, in the end, he says, I don't care what you do. I'm too old, and I'm, I'm out of time anyways. So you go ahead and do whatever you want, Sonny. And then they said, okay, you're accepted. You can leave. 
Draymond Green's the opposite of that. He denies, 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 denies that he's done anything wrong at any point. And if he showed some remorse and said, I got to get this under control. I I go to 11 way too quickly. I let my temper get the best of me all too often. And I need to change. I I think the league may be a little bit more lenient on him. But now we're going to have some sort of NBA court-ordered anger management course, I guess he's going to have to partake. And he's probably going to come out and have to lie about being remorseful about it because we know that he's not. And then this whole thing sort of seems forced in the end. I I think they need to set out a specified amount of time that he's going to be out. I said it needs to be at least 20, 25 games. And people think that's crazy with what John Morant got, but this is a repeat offender status over many years in the NBA. And it's not just the fact he keeps doing it. It's the fact that he never really says, I'm sorry, or takes any responsibility for it. He said he was sorry to, to Nurkic on this one, but he didn't say he was sorry for doing it because, oh, I didn't mean to do it. I don't apologize for accidents, and that was an accident. And no one believes that, even Steve Kerr as head coach. Of course not. But the, I think the ultimate thing is here is that this is a pattern. Draymond's gotten away with it for so long of not apologizing, not admitting fault or things like that. So now I wouldn't be surprised to see the NBA come down on him a little bit harder than maybe if this was his first time and he looked and said, hey, hands up, I was wrong, I screwed up, I was in the heat of the moment, that was absolutely uncalled for, the end. I kind of thought that these teams had PR people working for them, that these guys had agents that have PR people working for them, but I'm beginning to think that's not the case. I saw one argument. I forget who posted this, but it's a pretty good plan. They said what the NBA needs to do now is suspend Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr has enabled this. Last time he said when he got Rudy Gobert in a chokehold that it was inexcusable. That's the first time he ever came down hard publicly on anything Draymond has done. And then after this time, he kind of goes into this whole rant about we've told Draymond we need him, but didn't really say that he did anything totally wrong just that he needs to control his emotions better and keep his poise. And it's frustrating because we've told him how much we need him. That would be an interesting signal uh, to the Warriors if they suspended someone other than Draymond, the head coach, and said, hey, this is now your responsibility too. You continue to play him. He hasn't gotten any better at this, so we're going to suspend you. That's not a bad take, Chad. It's not a bad take at all. I would have to think that they're going to need to be some extenuating circumstances. Unfortunately, we know the NBA. They love Steve Kerr. They're never going to do that. Kelly, would you consider me to be a nice guy from from just interactions with me? I, I try to be friendly, right? Oh, you're definitely friendly. Nice, nice you're guy. Definitely, yeah. You're definitely uh, a nice guy. I friendly. would say you're a nice guy. You took way too long to get to that yes, longer than I wanted, but I, I'm glad well, you finally play, got to the yes. You know, I, so I'm we just do glad a show you got together. To it. Yeah, I'm on just, the show, you're a nice guy. Yeah, no problem. But because I've hung out with you and Clay and Hutton in real life, I had to think about some of those interactions. And there's yeah. just one that sticks in the back of my mind that I go, maybe Chad is uh, not such a nice guy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But for the most part, at least I try to be nice, right? I think it's good no, to be you nice. Absolutely are. I think it's good to be nice. I think it's good to try to be kind. I think it's good to try to leave a favorable impression on people. That, that's that's. Let's just get that out of the way now. That is a, a net positive in life if you can be friendly to people and leave them feeling better about themselves and try to be kind and nice to everyone. This is what I hear about Kenny Payne, Louisville head basketball coach, all the time. He's such a nice guy. We don't want to see anything bad happen to a nice guy 
People at Louisville love him because he's such a nice guy. Players seem to like him because he's such a nice guy. It is time, though, for Louisville to do the nice thing and put this guy out of his misery professionally and fire him because it has gotten out of control at Louisville with this basketball program. A very proud, historically really good program in Louisville, by the way, in a basketball hotbed. And this is how bad it's gotten. Karan Davis is a junior transfer player, came in from the junior college ranks to Louisville this past offseason in his first year with the program. Yesterday, this is an official statement from the University of Louisville. University of Louisville junior guard Karan Davis has informed the program that he intends to transfer. We support him and wish him well in the future. There's one problem with this statement. Apparently, they didn't run it by Karan Davis because he posts and he's reposting the statement from Louisville saying, I didn't express to anyone at U of, Lu- of Louisville that I wanted to transfer. I never asked to transfer. I enjoy being a Cardinal. The fact an official statement was released giving false info is disheartening and sad. Again, Davis committed to Louisville back in January, and he's been with the program since. Now, this is the strange part. You thought that was strange. It gets weirder with Karan Davis and his interaction with the program. Davis played in one exhibition game. From that point on, he's been with the team one time. That was back on November 10th in a game against Chattanooga. Since that point on, he's not been on the bench with the team. When asked why Davis wasn't in attendance, this is uh, after a November 15th game against Coppin State, Kenny Payne said the following, quote, it was my decision not to have him come today. He's not in any trouble. I will not address it right now because this is about the guys who just played. Again, let's try to follow the logic here. It's my decision, but he's not in trouble. Also, he's not with the team. No explanation. So he didn't return to the bench in the New Mexico State game. And then this is what Payne had to say. Quote, me and Karan got to sit down and talk about what's best for him and what's best for us. It's my decision. Really, no real update. That's it. Then after a game against Bellarmine, a close win for Louisville on November 29th, this is what Kenny Payne had to say about Davis. I have nothing to say about Karan Davis. Karan Davis is not in trouble. I didn't know he was at the game. This is when he was spotted in the stands, in the arena, with other fans during the game. I didn't know he was at the game, but if he was, that's fine with me. He's a part of this team right now. Now, let's try to follow the thought logic of Kenny Payne and what he's saying. It was my decision to not have him with the team during a game, but he's not in any trouble. I don't want to talk about this right now. Oh, he was in the stands. I didn't know that, but he can do that. Also, he's still a part of the team, and he's not in any real trouble. Then Louisville says he decided to transfer, and then Davis says, no, I've not decided to transfer. This, by the way, comes after Tyler Johnson refused to play the first half of a game because he had the wrong tights under his jersey and under his shorts, and this was allowed by the head coach, Kenny Payne. This also comes in the midst of a 4-6 and six start, after an atrocious first year as head coach, and they just lost at home last night by 12 to Arkansas State. Kelly, this is past the point of just wins and losses. This is a guy who's lost total control of every part of his program. You don't see this in high school basketball that often. This level of guys coming and going, doing what they want, sitting in the stands with students, oh, but he's still on the team, there's no real decision made, statements put out that are false because the player, it wasn't run by him. I I don't know what to make of it other than 
at this point, Louisville needs to do pain a favor and put him out of this pain and fire him right now and allow some interim to take over because this is a total mess. It's beyond a total mess. And in fact, it makes me feel so much better about my alma mater's basketball woes last week. You know, this is tough. You mentioned Louisville and the expectation there of their basketball program. It is having me question, right? We're following the bouncing ball here of the timeline of events. And a lot of things just don't add up. And a lot of times, athletic departments, universities, we do not get the full story. So obviously, there is more to the story here. But if someone has not got control of their locker room, if there is an outside factor as to why he's not playing, the athletic director should be doing his job here and investigating further. I'm guessing he has already done so. So I would agree with you, Chad. I think there's only one option here, and it is get to get rid of the common denominator. It's, it's just crazy to me that this would be allowed uh, at any school. And, and the lack of any clarity or communication on what is happening. Again, let's try to separate the two, right? It's easy to say these things because they were awful last year. They were losing to teams that Louisville should never lose to and losing badly to them. That started to happen again this year. They've had some close calls. I think they beat St. John's. They lost close to Texas, who's in the top 20. They lost a close one to Indiana also. So they've been in some games with some, with some good teams, but they continue to come up short, and then you lose by 12 at home to Arkansas State. But it's the mix of everything. It's the losing with the fact that you got a guy in charge of the program that doesn't seem to be in charge of anything or anyone within the program. And it's I, I hate it because everything I've heard about Kenny Payne is he's a great dude and a really nice guy, and everybody's rooting for him to do well. But it feels like to me, giving the guy a buyout at this point, to no longer be the coach is almost doing him a favor instead of subjecting any Louisville fan, not that they're going to have great attendance the rest of the way, but I've been to games in that arena, the KFC Yum Center, the Yum Yum Center as we like to call it. It's a great place to go watch a game. They have a passionate fan base. A ton of people normally show up. No one's going to show up for this stuff, and it's definitely better than your K-State situation right now, given what we opened the show with last week when you joined us, Kelly. I'd far rather be Kansas State right now with the one player exiting than what's going on at Louisville. No, you're you're not wrong. And I think we went, you know, a little into public relations, if you will, during the Draymond uh, conversation. And I, you'd have to think that Louisville has some sort of PR to save some face here. I mean, when a player who is still apparently on the team is sitting in the stands and someone tweets a picture of it, that's not a good look, especially when the fan base is being left in the dark, similar to uh, how I felt last week. When you're left in the dark and you're either an alumni, you're a donor, whatever that looks like, you want answers to your questions. I'm surprised we're not seeing more Louisville fans getting fired up here over this. I wonder if we took a poll of Louisville fans. This would never happen. But how many of them would be in favor of bringing Rick Pitino back, even given all the problems with the NCAA and with Italian restaurants? and everything else that happened with Rick Pitino, I bet it would be 85 90%. If you gave Easily. Louisville fans the option of Kenny Payne and what they're watching right now, or go bring Rick Pitino home and back to Louisville, they're all taking Pitino, right? Even with the That's, baggage. It's, it's always interesting how fans are willing to overlook winning programs or willing to overlook, um, we'll call it indiscretions, if you will, 
or winning basketball or football games. And I kind of understand that, you know, we spoke about it last week with my alma mater. And I said, Hey, look, this is what happened. The kid got in a little trouble. He's on a diversion through the eyes of the court. We should let it slide. If you're going to let a normal student, let it slide. You would, but I would have to say, I mean, my, uh, my rival fan base is the university of Kansas. They just let everything slide. Porcini's a terrific Italian restaurant in Louisville, by the way. I've actually been there, and it is uh, it is great. So Rick Pitino was right about that. We're right about this. Trey Wallace brings it every week. Talking college football. SEC schedule is out. We'll talk about it all with Trey Wallace coming up next. We are back, rolling right along on Hot Mike here on the Outkick Network, live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas, guest co-hosting today. Kelly, I got to see this. I saw you drink water during the break. It appears that you were drinking water out of a vase. That is the biggest water glass I've ever seen that that it maybe it's just because of the camera angle, but I saw you pick that thing up and I'm like, man, you are super hydrated and ready to go. That's an impressive glass. Good job. I think you're hilarious. That is a normal size drinking glass. It's it, just very thick. It, it looked like a vase that you were drinking. Like you literally took the flowers out of it <laughs> and just started drinking the water out of it. I know someone else who's always very hydrated. That's Trey Wallace with outkick.com, our college football, senior college football writer, for outkick.com on with us right now. Trey, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm good, man. We are um, December 14th. We've got quarterback news today. We're getting closer to the playoffs. Bowl game starts Saturday. Just a normal week, right? Normal week and transfer portal news. And that's where I want to start. And there's a couple of different areas we can go to, but Riley Leonard now officially heading to Notre Dame, Trey. What, What do you make of that news And also, whatever's going on with Ohio State, Kyle McCord out. Cam Ward does not look to be going to Columbus, which many thought originally. Looks like he's down to Florida State and Miami, which leads me to ask the question, well, what does Ohio State want to do at quarterback if they lost the guy they deemed the starter throughout the season, and now they're going to stick with someone else on campus, but they didn't want that guy to – I'm very confused about what's going on at Ohio State. So let's start there. Riley Leonard at Notre Dame and what you think is happening in Columbus. Yeah, I, I think the Riley Leonard Notre Dame thing had been brewing for a while now. I mean, there, there's a reason why he put a no contact uh, when he entered the transfer portal. This was going to be his spot. Uh, last year, it was Sam Hartman uh, from Wake Forest. Now it's Riley Leonard from Duke. This was it, it, They seem to have things lined up. Marcus Freeman does the way that they want, how they're figuring out the quarterback situation. And then, you know, when when something happens like this, uh, when a quarterback knows his destination, that means it's been, you know, in the works for a month or so. Um, these agents do a really good job of of contacting schools and seeing what they need. So I, I look at Riley Leonard, I, I th- it's a great spot for him. Uh, it, it's interesting that two former quarterbacks are now coming back to Notre Dame, one to play lacrosse, the other to get his degree. That's Tyler Buckner, and that's Drew Pine from Arizona State. Uh, not going to be playing football right now, so – it works out for Riley Leonard. And I think Marcus Freeman, this is a big addition for this offseason. He'll be fine with his ankle injury. And then, you know, the Ohio State thing is is complicated to me because you got a quarterback in Kyle McCord that goes 11 and 1, loses the the Michigan game. It was, you know, it was close. He did good in the second half. He he led him back. He came within a possession of of tying that football game up. But it just felt like under the circumstances where he was told, hey, 
you're not the bona fide starter next year. You're going to have to fight for this position. I think that's something that turned Kyle McCord off. And, 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 you know, he felt in talking with some folks after battling through what Ohio State did all season long into that last game against Michigan, he thought he deserved to be the starting quarterback and to be named the starting quarterback first in the bowl game and then next season. And when that didn't happen, he decided, let's go look around. And Nebraska was a choice. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the case now. Maybe a school like Syracuse, but it's crazy how things can go from highs to the low in the transfer portal really quick. Well, and speaking of uh, not maybe high to low, but low to high, Nebraska's season, uh, which has been a lot like a lot of seasons recently for the Cornhuskers, five and seven, but get to the offseason. And this past week, they're juggling either Kyle McCord or Dylan Rayola, the number one quarterback in the country, who's likely to decommit from Georgia and go to Nebraska. And now, Trey, does it look like with McCord's news that he's not going to end up in Lincoln that we're going to see Matt Rule end up? with Rayola, whose dad played at Nebraska as the number one quarterback in the country? It sure sounds like it, Chad. I mean, <laughs> and, and it's it's difficult for some. Huskers are back, most, baby. They're back. It's difficult for Georgia fans to like wrap their head around a kid that would move across the country to the state of Georgia to play high school football in the state of Georgia, recruit for Georgia for a whole year and a half, and then all of a sudden be like, you know, <laughs> wait a minute. Nebraska called and it's like, okay, like I get, the, I get the legacy part of it. I understand that. I get that his uncle is an offensive line coach, but we're talking about Georgia compared to Nebraska. And that's not a shot of Nebraska. We're just talking about where you're at right now in college football. So the fact that there is that talk and, and, and let's also be real honest with each other here. It's not all about uh, the legacy and having family that attended Nebraska. It's also about the NIL money that comes with this in Georgia. They're having to make a decision right now. We're going to pay Carson Beck to come back next season. Do we want to give in to what his demands? And then you look at the Dylan Riola situation where it went South right after Kirby smart left his house on a Friday night. So you wonder what that is. That's probably Nebraska giving him a call and saying, Hey, look, we can offer you this. Oh, and by the way, Cal McCord's probably not coming here anymore. So now you've got a clear angle towards that starting position. Yeah, Trey, I wanted to jump in and kind of carry over to that because my head has been spinning around basically for the last year and a half, right? I went to a, what I would call a less profitable school. Well, I should take that back. They're a profitable school, but they have less big donors, right? You mentioned Nebraska. I grew up watching them in the big eight. They have boatloads of money, just like Texas's and the Oklahoma's and the Georgia's and Alabama's of the world. So here I am trying to navigate the NIL that is essentially the wild, wild West. Can you kind of get into that a little bit further? Because when I hear you tell me, that there's agents uh, for guys who haven't entered the transfer portal yet. They already know where they're going because there's a no contact order. That sounds like tampering to me. Well, okay. So let's break it down a little bit. If you've got an NIL agent, that NIL rep is allowed to go out and talk to schools. I mean, if I was an NIL rep right now, I could pick up the phone and call North Carolina, Notre Dame, whoever I wanted to say, Hey, look, there might be a chance that this quarterback enters the transfer portal. Are you interested? Now, this is not like picking up the phone and talking to a collective who has a bunch of money laying around that are willing to give 
the, these power five quarterbacks that can make a difference to this school, but it is a little sneaky. Like, you know, we, we tampering was the word over the last two years. Like we go back to the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban argument that went down two years ago. Tampering was such a prevalent, prevalent thing that we got into a situation where they found loopholes around it and the loopholes around it are having guys that used to be runners for agents, you know, guys that are not certified to be agents, but they're handling NIL deals and they're handling them for some of the top players in the country. Now, if you're smart, you go out and get yourself a real agent who can handle this, find yourself the real money. But some of these guys have relationships. So it's, it's reaching out through high school coaches. It's reaching out. Hey, hey man, I used to play with that linebacker, you know, my first year somewhere else. Let's see. Let's let's DM him. Let's get him involved. Maybe mention it to the coach, and then we can go from there. So, a lot of the players that you are seeing enter the portal right now, I think that their homes are already kind of there's a destination already set for them in a sense. Besides big name quarterbacks, running backs, offensive linemen, and whatnot. And, and the unfortunate part of this whole thing is with over 1,300 players in the transfer portal right now, Kelly you're going to have five to 600 players that do not have a home after this transfer portal ends. So what happens there? You got to walk on. Um, you got to figure out a way on a team, maybe in the spring. It gets complicated, guys. And now we're sitting in a spot where money is such a key factor when it comes to where these guys are going to go. Because don't forget, like most of the, like the, the 12 quarterbacks right now that are in the portal that are big name, are all of them going to go to the NFL? No. They're going to want to get their payday right now. And college football collectives are ready to open up the checkbook. They sure are ready to open up the checkbook. And the SEC, I think, is ready to open up the checkbook for a lot of those guys. The schedule released today, and I was elated. Now, full disclosure, I mentioned I went to a Big 12 school. I'm not some SEC fan, but this whole uh, dichotomy with Texas and Oklahoma coming in here, we're going to see Georgia in Tuscaloosa game one. Like that hasn't happened. I'm kind of really curious to see what your thoughts are on the SEC schedule, which games you're most looking forward to this year. I think it is a, a beautiful thing when the SEC decides, okay, you know what? There's a little dull time in the middle of December before a bowl game. So let's announce what's going to go on in a year from now. Okay, and then, by the way, all these people are going to go get their hotels, and they're going to book. I saw something last night for that Alabama-Georgia game. It's going to go down. Hotels are already going for $4,000 in Tuscaloosa. Um, and, and we're talking we're – not, we're not talking about five-star hotels here. We're talking about the Econo Lodge. No offense to the Econo Lodge. But I'm just saying, in general, you look at this, it's the excitement level uh, in college football. And in the SEC – they want to see, okay, what's Texas and Oklahoma? How's that going to affect our schedules now? When we move to this eight games, uh, what does that look like when it comes to rivalry games? Or like you, you look at Florida's back half of their schedule next year. They have at Tennessee, Kentucky versus Georgia, at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, then Florida State. Billy Napier picked a really bad time to be on the hot seat going into his third year with a schedule like that. So and he's losing it, some it, of his best players in the transfer he, portal right now. I know, Chad. And, it, and it's interesting to see how the locker room is played out in Gainesville. And then when you look at that schedule, I mean, we can't forget, like, they have to play Miami, Texas A&M, Mississippi State in the month of September. 
those aren't gimmies. Those aren't gimme wins. You got to go out and prove it. So it can be a long season. So that's what Kelly, that's what it is when we look at it right now is okay. There's a couple of coaches that might not be around after 2024. What's that schedule look like for them and how they can survive. And on the other hand, the big time matchups that we're going to get the, the, uh, the Alabama in, in, in the Georgia, we're going to get Alabama, Oklahoma or Tennessee, Oklahoma, you name it. It's the excitement of college football and the sec really knows how to put on a show. Trey, I think in terms of the transfer portal and the effect on, on college football, I'm going to highlight a couple of programs and, and their approach. We've seen, as you mentioned, Florida, they're on the downside of it. They're losing some of their top guys in the portal. I look at Kentucky and Ole Miss and what they've done the last two years, and this is clearly a concerted effort by both programs to say we aren't going to compete with the best of the best in high school recruiting, but we can get the NIL funds together to be the top dogs in luring in top talent from the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin has basically uh, – uh, he's living in Knoxville right now recruiting guys off the portal. You, you've got, once again, Kentucky last year made a splash with Devin Leary, Ray Davis. They've got Chip Trainum coming in from Ohio State. They've got Brock Vandergriff coming in at quarterback from Georgia. What do you think about the approach of those two programs who are very similar – historically, Trey, where they're not really going after the top high school talent, but they are getting involved with some top transfer portal guys. It's interesting to see the shift in philosophies at some schools. Some schools are going to go after the high school players are going to develop. Look at Georgia, you know, look at Alabama, you know, those type of schools, high school players develop. They'll be ready in two years type of ordeal. Kentucky's Ole Miss. There's other big time schools out there doing the same thing. They need the quick fix. So you go into the portal and you open up, okay, look, what A, what positions do we need? B, what can we afford in the NIL market space that we're in right now? And you look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss got a commitment from uh, former Tennessee defensive back and former Oklahoma defensive back, Key Lawrence, uh, just 30 minutes ago. So you're, you're, you're adding to your team in the way that you think is going to fit right now. Not saying they're not going out and they're doing the high school recruiting. But we're seeing it kind of slowly back off a little bit where players in the portal are so valuable to come in with that three-year experience or two-year experience, and they're willing to pay what they need to pay to make sure this happens. And, and to be, you know, for a team like Mark Stoops, like, look at their quarterback situation. Yeah, you said Brock Vandergrift. Don't forget, like, okay, Will Levis was a transfer from Penn State. Devin True. Leary was a transfer from NC State. It's pretty wild to think about. But Kentucky most likely will not have a quarterback they recruited out of high school that has played in the last six years. So you, you it's just different dimensions the way this is going at it. And you could probably say the same thing about Ole Miss, the way that they went out. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders. You look at how this is is gone about over the last couple of years. It's not shocking to me. It's certain teams knowing how to handle the portal compared to others and maybe needing it more. Trey Wallace, check out all of his work, outkick.com, all of his great work. He's got stories up right now about Utah's interesting NIL exchange that's happening, memories of Mike Leach this week being the one-year anniversary of his passing, and also check out the Trey Wallace podcast at outkick.com. Trey, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you helping on with us. Dad, Kelly, thank you all. You have a good rest of the week. I appreciate it, Trey. One thing to keep in mind with Transfer Portal and, and recruiting Lost in the shuffle, a lot of guys who are borderline two- or three-star high school players not getting an opportunity at Power 5 schools now 
because instead of taking a chance on those guys, the Power Five schools are always going to go to guys that are 20, 21, 22, year old, 22 years old at a lesser program that they can take in the portal as opposed to taking a chance on those guys. So that's one of those cause and effects thing maybe people weren't really paying attention to. Texas is down a quarterback. We'll tell you who when we come back. This is Hot Mike. We're back. It's Hot Mike across the Outkick Network, live from downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios, with old smoky moonshine, yeehaw beer, Jonathan Hutton. Well-deserved couple days off. He's going to be back with us on Monday during this holiday season. So, good friend of ours, Kelly Stewart. You can catch her with uh, Clay Travis on The Fade as part of the Outkick Network as well. Kelly in Vegas, she's on with us right now. Special guest co-host today. Kelly's a gigantic college football fan, much like myself. Malik Murphy, Texas quarterback, was Quinn Ewers' backup, was put into duty this year because Quinn Ewers' injury. He is in the transfer portal. That probably won't shock too many people, given the situation with Ewers possibly coming back and Arch Manning, uh, the, the man in waiting for Texas. But, Kelly, I, I do laugh at the statement from Malik Murphy on this, and I understand where the kid's trying to come from, but you can't have it both ways in the statement. He says, and I quote, about leaving before the playoff, right? He's a guy who started games for Texas this year, that is leaving before his team is playing for a national championship to get a jump start on another program in the transfer portal. He says, quote, I'm super invested in this team, everything that we've done along the way and all the work we've put in together. It's hard to walk away, especially at this point during the season. It's nothing against Texas at all. I'm doing this purely for me and my future. Part of me likes that honesty at the end of it, but I would have a hard time even if I wasn't going to be in the game, I wasn't assured to be in the game, walking away from a team I spent that much time with before they play for a national championship. Not only that, Chad, the portal doesn't close till after the national championship. Wouldn't you love to have a national championship ring? I would uh, also argue to say if something does happen to Quinn Ewers and either one of those games, the playoff game or the national championship, if Texas was to make it, he would be the trigger man for the Longhorns, not Arch Manning. So this is going to put Texas in kind of a precarious position as well uh, because we know that they brought back Quinn Ewers a little earlier than they originally wanted to, but hey, he played lights out not only against Texas Tech, but also Oklahoma State. I got to watch Malik Murphy in person versus my Wildcats. I don't know if he's going to get much better of a school than the University of Texas. I think more importantly, he's worried about the playing time. Uh, I find it very interesting, though, that these guys get their few minutes of fame and then are off to the next. And that's kind of what is disheartening to me about the whole whole portal and uh, players being bought off of rosters for NIL money. Yeah, well, I, I was going to add to that, too, Kelly. Like one of the biggest issues you have there is if you're Malik Murphy and you know, I want to get the bag for next season, I can't wait too long or else all these other top position or these top schools are going to already have their quarterback to where then I'm not able to go play for a team that I have a good opportunity of winning at a high level with anyway. So it is a difficult situation for him, but I'm, I'm with you. Like this is an opportunity you're probably never going to get again to potentially play for a national championship. And we know you're the backup behind it. So 
And to me, that is the one reason that you would do this is there's some coach that's pressuring you saying, if you don't come to campus now, I'm going to go into the portal and get another guy and replace you. But, I mean, call their bluff on it. And if you're Malik Murphy, and as Kelly said, we all know these backroom deals are being done for NIL and everything else. I mean, what's to stop you from signing an NIL deal saying you're going to go somewhere for the money that's being promised to you and just leaving right after the playoff? I don't. I don't get any any of this. I think someone is bluffing. If you really want Malik Murphy on your program, Kelly's right about that too. You're going to a lesser program than Texas. So they're in desperate need of Malik Murphy is what I'm guessing. They can wait until you either beat or lose to Washington and then either win a national championship or not. And then you can go to their campus and you can have this all done, signed, sealed, delivered before it happens. Just like there's ways to go back room and make sure that you're getting the NIL deal done. You can do this also by saying you're going to go to a program. I, I don't get it. And while I'm not going to be the guy that crushes the kid for plainly stating, I'm doing this, and this is his quote, <clears throat> I'm doing this purely for me and my future. I'm also not going to be the guy that celebrates that. Because what do we love about team sports? It's about the team. And people's going to come back and say, well, what about the coach? They can do it to them. I get it. It's still, you're a part of this team until the season's over. We're also going to see this happen more moving forward as they expand to 12 teams in the playoff. You're saying more teams leave before they play in the playoff game. Uh, well, more players are, are going to be abandoning their team as they have an opportunity to play in a playoff game which, unless they alter the transfer portal window, which, I mean, they, they've been maneuvering that around over the last couple of years since that's been implemented. I just, I, I hate it. I don't know where you stand on this, Kelly, but I, I hate the I, idea of that. I, I get the bowl game stuff now, and I, I hate it, that too. Do you, too. though? No, I, 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 the bowl I hate games it, too. used to mean something. Yeah, I hate that, The bowl that games too. used to be exciting. It was a big deal to go on a trip. It was a big deal to get all the swag and to have a great time with your team. It's not that anymore. I, I, you know, I'm a gambler, right? So here I am, day of the bowl games being announced. Vegas puts the lines out. You're supposed to get to work. How can I get to work when there's over a thousand kids in the transfer portal within the first week and a half? How can you get to work when half of the guys say, hey, I'm opting out. I want to go to the NFL or at least have a shot to do so and don't want to end up getting hurt. It has gotten to the point where I'm almost wondering if any of these bowl games are even going to matter. The 12-team playoff is going to have to be expanded rather quickly to keep people's interest peaked. Yeah, I don't know why it has to be like a boomer argument for someone to say, just stick to your team commitment through the end of the season. But I, that's I, not I, the, the generation here. That's not what the precedent that's it's been all, set. I, you're right. It's also a lot of our generation, and you know who I'm talking about, a lot of people who cover college football that feel like it's blasphemy to say anything against a college athlete and say that they're making the poor decision. The Jay Billises of the world are oh always boy. going to side with the student athlete, right? It's never of a coach's fault. It's all, sorry, it's always the coach's fault, always the administration's fault, always the NCAA's fault. But where we all know, because we've all been there too, when you're 18 to 22 years old, you're going to make dumb, selfish decisions. And there's a lot of dumb, selfish decisions being made. And if you want to make a selfish decision and put it under the guise of, I'm just doing what's right for me. I'm doing what's right for me right now. That's fine, but I'm not going to go out of my way to celebrate that. Because when we celebrate team sports, we celebrate the team. I celebrate the guys who say, you know, I made a commitment through this. I worked out all winter, spring, summer with this team. 
I'm going to go to the damn ReliaQuest Bowl and have a great time. And I'm going to play if the coach puts me in, and then I'm going to enter the portal after that. I, I Hey, hats off. I celebrate the player that does that. I, I don't think it should be taboo to say that's the right thing to do in this era of college football. But some will say that, you know, you got to do whatever's best for, for you and nothing else, but I, I disagree. Hey, the Pac-12, at least the remaining Pac-12, Oregon State and Washington State, they're doing exactly what's best for them, and that is hoarding $61 million in revenue. That's 15% of the $400 million they're going to make this year. They've made the decision as the two voting members left of the Pac-12, they're not going to distribute that at all. Now, that includes those two schools not receiving their share of the proceeds either. But they're doing this, Kelly, and I totally get it, to ice out the teams that left them and the programs that left them because they iced them out by leaving without Oregon State and Washington State. Makes total sense to me. I think it's tough. Uh, I understand. It seems kind of like a, a bad divorce, right? I'm going to keep the couch that you love so much just to keep None the couch. None of us are getting anything. You're not going to get anything. I'm not going to get anything. I'll burn this house down. That's Ex- what they're saying. Exactly is what it feels like. And it is tough because I, uh, I really started to fall in love with these two schools when I moved to Las Vegas because they are such fun underdogs. They were fun to root for. You know, Oregon is Oregon. Washington is Washington. But the state schools always had my heart. So I felt really bad that they got snubbed and we know that they're probably going to end up at a game of five program or uh, excuse me, uh, conference. And that is not fun either. So I can kind of see while they're holding their ground and, and trying to prove a point here, but I mean, how much we're going to tie up in legal fees trying to do this. Well, and you're also shooting yourself in the foot by not collecting your, your, some of it as well. Um, I, I, I kind of respect the pettiness of it uh, if you're them, right? Like uh, part of me really gets me going to think that, you know, screw you, that you left us. We we were the laughing stock. We're the ones having to defend ourselves against ESPN when they they make fun of us as you guys go and get your cushy new home, Uh, some more than others. I I think Cal and Stanford are probably looking around saying, we're going to the ACC. Does that make a lot of sense? But um, not whatsoever. (laughs) You also need the money. So it's a tough decision to make to say we're going to get nothing and we're going to force all of you to get nothing and that this money is just going to sit there in some trust until we decide what to do with it. And I guess the we in this would be if they basically just annex the Mountain West Conference and make it the new Pac-12 and do what the Big 12 and others have done, the Big 10, and just cherry pick from the Mountain West, the the teams you want, then they distribute that money to them as an enticement and as also part of their buyout to get out of the Mountain West. I think that's what they probably want to do. And there's some evidence of that, Kelly, because Washington State and Oregon State, they're already in conversations with the Mountain West Conference to join them from a basketball standpoint. That would make the most sense. I actually didn't think about that play um, because we did see that with, you know, the big eight joint, you know, turning into the big 12, taking some teams from the Southwest conference. That is a real possibility, uh, especially seeing teams like UNLV have better uh, football programs, uh, San Jose state, right? There's a couple of teams in there that I don't know if I would say by any means that they're power five conference schools, but with the right amount of money, uh, we've seen plenty of schools be able to achieve those dreams, especially from a basketball standpoint. That's what I think the big 12 really did when they, helped break up the Pac-12 as they went after the basketball schools. They were like, give us Arizona. 
and give us Houston prior to that when they cherry pick some teams from the AAC. So I would not be surprised to see the Mountain West at one point in time was a conference, you know, hotbed for basketball, trying to rejuvenate itself with Oregon State and Washington State. Well, Brett Yormark loves basketball, clearly. He wanted to add UConn and Gonzaga to the Big 12 also. So the guy, clearly a Hoops fan, you're a Big 12 girl. What do you think about the new Big 12 and some of the teams that will enter the conference next year? From a football perspective, what do you make of it? And are you excited about any one of these programs? You know, initially, no, I was not excited. We saw UCF come in. We saw Cincinnati come in and Houston come in this year. And you're going, yeah, somebody's got to be the bottom feeder, I understand. But then you look at, again, that the Houstons of the world, the Cincinnati's of the world from a basketball perspective. And so you kind of had that, all right. So when they first said, all right, we're bringing in Arizona and Arizona State, I thought, okay, great. We're going to add an okay football program and a really great basketball program. Let's do it. And then the Arizona Wildcats shocked the world. Uh, when in when in nine football games this year, I think they are going to be the fun one to add to the Big Twelve. Not only from a travel perspective, right? When you grew up in Kansas, you want to go to fun other destinations, and sometimes Texas just doesn't cut it. Ames, Iowa, not so much fun. Going to Tucson, going to Scottsdale, like those those Arizona schools, I think are going to be rather intriguing. Obviously, Utah. We know this year was a quote unquote down year for them, but we've seen that they play smash mouth football. I think they're going to be an awesome addition as well. You can only go to Ames, Iowa, you know, so many times and, and have a good time. You probably, what would you say? You, you have, have you been uh, two, three times to Ames or more than that, Kelly? As an adult, I have never been to Ames, okay. Iowa. Do you feel like as you a, saw everything you needed to see in the few times you went as a college student? Uh, as a kid, I remember going, it was always right around my birthday or my mother's birthday. We would play Iowa state in November and it was always cold and always terrible. And what did they do? They always lost. Yeah. It's, um, I've got a couple guys uh, that go to church with me that went to Iowa state and they don't even say anything nice about it. When I ask them about their experience in college, they love it, but they're like, yeah, I wouldn't advise you to ever go to it. It's not some place that should be on top of the list to go for college football, but they got a good college basketball tradition. Uh, the Dodgers, they have good tradition. And part of that tradition is what led them to landing Shohei Otani move over Lionel Messi. Otani replaces Messi in one category, plus Big Ben. He thinks the Steelers are done as a dynasty. The old legacy of the black and gold and the Steelers over, according to Big Ben Roethlisberger. We'll get into all that more when we come back. This is Hot Mike as part of the Outkick Network. 